In its quest to provide an open forum for discussion of controversial issues, this station allows hosts and their guests to express themselves without any significant censorship. You're advised that any views expressed by the hosts or their guests are not necessarily the views of Tuggy Entertainment or its partners. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney. Vivian is here to talk to you, to encourage you, and to show you how she had a successful homeschooling experience with her Wildflower Academy, and that her kids turned out great, and that with God's help, you can create the same experience she did. From her beginnings in Hostert, West Germany, to Dallas, it's been quite a journey, and her abilities to adapt, survive, and thrive are what make her unique in homeschooling. So have your pen and paper ready. It's The Sociable Homeschooler. And now, here's your host, Vivian McNinney. Tooth for tooth, foot for foot, burn for burn, wound for wound, bruise for bruise. Exodus 21, verses 23 to 25. As I said last week, we love the Old Testament, but I had to be careful when teaching it because when you have children, they'll take things literally. And a wound for a wound sounds pretty ominous to me. Even so, I let the petty squabbles play their course as long as blood wasn't shed, and very often a punch led to a shove, followed by a kick, then a full-out wrestle on the ground. In Exodus, God, now that he has Moses' attention after all the plagues and hassle of getting his nation out of Egypt, lays out the rules of vengeance where before there had been no limits. Can you imagine? A stolen loaf may result in a chopped off hand, which could lead to a life being taken, then a village being burned and so on. Sounds like what happens today in parts of the world. There were no jails back then. Thieves and assailants continued to live in their communities and make restitution for their crime, after which they became free citizens again. There was no criminal class separate from society that there is today. God's laws didn't allow for spiteful or unlimited revenge. No, it defined limits to establish a system of equitable justice. When we read this, my children were brought up sharp. A pinch resulted in a corresponding pinch, the end. Now, how hard was the corresponding pinch? Well, that depended on the child administering it. Nevertheless, vengeance could go no further. God loves us. We love our children. God wants us to live harmoniously with our close neighbors. We had fun researching the historical context of these laws that demand the punishment fit the crime. No revenge, no continual vengeance, no grudge holding. Sounds good to me and easy to remember. An eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. Good morning and good afternoon. Welcome to The Sociable Homeschooler. I'm your host, Vivian McNenny. My guest this week is Stacey Lane, a notoriously frugal mother of four and a homeschooler who's reached a commendable financial milestone. Today, I'll be continuing my account of how I threw in the rag and homeschooled despite the cost, recounting my first meeting with the girlfriend, take, talking kindly about the state of our house, economics, Keynesian style, and rekindling of friendship. So take a sip of your cool beverage and join me while I talk your ear off about things that are close to my heart this week. I've blogged about what the house looked like to our eyes when we got home, and I've pretty much got it out of my system so I can talk to you about it 
as long as I employ the diplomatic tact handed down to me by my father and heed my mother's words are ringing in my ears. If you don't have anything good to say about someone, then don't say anything. When we stepped out of our taxi after traveling for two days, the first person we saw was our zookeeper's son in our garage, bent double inside his car with the vacuum. He unfolded himself and stood up to wave and then ducked back down again while we hauled six large and six small bags in the vague direction of the back door. We made a mountain of the luggage by the step and paid the driver. Our son came towards us, unfurled, beaming, arms outstretched, torso glistening, nay, dripping with sweat. I did an air hug and smiled. You guys are 30 minutes earlier than I expected, he said. When we entered the house, I suspected our timing was a whole lot more than 30 minutes off. For the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night, 1 Thessalonians 5, 2. I brushed aside the scripture verse. I was jet-lagged and irritable. I sought God's hand and took a deep breath. The sink was full of dishes and my son was detailing his car. Obviously, we left him the wrong piece of property to steward. A sink full of dishes would have been all right, and I may have been able to keep my hands from plunging into the water the minute I arrived home to scour and rinse them, had it not been for the rest of the house, or at least the part that was instantly visible on my entry into the kitchen through the back door. To the left of me in my glassed-in garden room, I saw a washer and dryer, three tables balanced atop one another, a file cabinet, a chainsaw, several creek mud walls, wood shavings, most of the tools from the tool cupboard, Six or eight pairs of stinky tennies, towels, swimsuits, chlorine packets of shock full and empty, air guns, pellets, a half dozen throwing and gutting knives, a skateboard come crude potter's wheel, an empty pool pump box, a tent, climbing rope, and two empty gas cylinders all piled on top of the furniture already in my garden room, which now had about as much appeal as a landfill. There was even an oil pan lurking beneath the glass top table. I breathed a sigh as I surveyed my once beautiful haven, which, according to the current steward of our home, was at once too dang hot in the summer and bloody freezing in the winter to do anything else with. Anything else than what? Turn it into a municipal dump? Well, still talking kindly about my son, we met his girlfriend of a year that same night. She came over for dinner and I decided she'd seen the house that way before. So with champagne in hand, I turned a blind eye to what was going on with my furniture in the rest of the house. She turned up showered and made up. She works outside in the heat running the bird show at the zoo. She had flowers, which she handed me with a smile and a Merlot, which she described as a really good bottle of wine. It was red, my favourite. She was very nervous. I make people very nervous, but extremely easy to talk to. Once we were dis- And as we were disorientated and jet-lagged, I don't think we came across as too intimidating, just a bit vague. She was, well, I should say she is very sweet and obviously thinks Simon hung the moon, which is a great start. They both have similar interests. She bought him two hours of driving fast cars and he bought her skydiving for each other's birthday presents. And they're as tall as beanpoles and outdoorsy types. When we went to see the Garland Star musical show How to Succeed in Business without really trying, she was wearing heels, which brought her to an impressive six foot three. So from a distance, they look like a normal sized couple until you get up close then they do the towering bit and I'm not short last week I was talking about how I began comparing the hours I spent with my children against the hours spent at the office 
This had never bothered me before. In fact, I quite enjoyed my dual status of businesswoman and mum. But something started nudging me that my quality time with the offspring were being jeopardised by the demands of my job. I may not have counted the cost of homeschooling and how our two income reduced to one was going to be shared with four children. But a couple of things happened to force me to take a closer look at how I was shaping up as a hands-off parent and whether I liked what I was seeing. Thing one, corporate America decided it owned me. Now, don't get me wrong. Up until now, I loved corporate America. But after 10 years, I began to notice that corporate America didn't love me, or at least it didn't love my family with its attendant demands. My husband was a freelancer who worked in the music industry and from home, which meant that his only gainful employment sometimes was childcare. Once the children were picked up from their babysitter, because I didn't have to rush and pick up the children at the end of the day and do all the evening palaver that I was so good at, I was able to schmooze with the best of the executives and take my time leaving the office. Thus, I managed to miss out on bedtime rituals several times a week. It all came to a head during my oldest son's second year at public school. He was a second grader at a gifted and talented academy. One bright October morning, I was told by my big boss from out of town, Florida, that someone from another state was replacing me because I put my very flexible foot down to the demand that I begin working a 70-hour week instead of the paltry 60 hours I was already putting in. I wasn't exactly surprised. The corporate America I worked for was mostly staffed by men whose wives dealt with the children and single, upwardly mobile women who had no children. As it turned out, my pending loss of seniority was the good news. The someone from another state was one of my subordinates on his way up the corporate ladder with no immediate family jockeying for attention. I was being offered minionship to his boss of me title, a role reversal I didn't take kindly to. Pride reared its ugly head. Yes, I know, according to my favourite author, C.S. Lewis, pride is a deadly sin. I have its definition written out, lest I forget. Pride is the result of comparing oneself to others, thus giving one the opportunity of reveling in the pleasure of being above the rest. I was an excellent manager. Compared to my manager peers, I veritably shone, and my pride was on the brink of taking a fall. I really would have stayed in my job and weathered the storm had it not been for my self-conceit. I knew I was a talented manager with contacts and would be able to snag another job soon. I was confident I'd win an equal opportunities appeal. Single male brought in to replace married with children female would win the case hands down. So confident, arrogant me had cleaned out her desk, loaded all her plants into her car, and in less than four hours had left her decade-long job and all the benefits it has afforded without a backward glance and in a very royal huff. I didn't win the appeal. Corporate America was too big for me, and I'd refused their job offer as assistant manager. I didn't find another job either. The starting compensations I was offered were paltry compared to the salary I had worked hard for. After a couple of weeks, regret tried to mess with my pride and was banished when I, or was it God, showed me two months later that I was better off as a stay-at-home mum. Believe me, it took a long time to adjust our two boys were in public school. The gifted and talented academy and our two girls were in daycare, just in case either of us got jobs. And my husband and I were at home alone together all day, like bright-eyed honeymooners. 
And before I go on my break, I want to say that I really, really enjoy having my show at 11 o'clock in the morning. It just seems really civilized. I don't have to get up extra early and I can just kind of potter around and do all the stuff that I do in the mornings. And then 11 o'clock comes around and I'm done by 12. And today I've got people coming over to lunch at 12.30. Whereas before, when I had my show at four, I really couldn't do anything on a Friday. I wouldn't let myself go anywhere just in case my car broke down and I missed my show. And so now this way at 12 o'clock, I'm free and my weekend can begin. So I get an extra half a day. So I hope you're enjoying the new time too. I know I am and I know all of my guests are because they don't have to get up at eight o'clock in the morning anymore to talk to me. So I'll be back in about 90 seconds. So don't go far. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Information about book publishing is power, the power to change your authoring life, and the power to change the lives of your readers. So join us for Your Guide to Book Publishing, everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask, with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles, Thursdays at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 Pacific, on the Rockstar Radio Network. You'll hear about statistics, scenarios, and strategies on what to do now, as the book shepherd, Dr. Judith Bryles, is in. And each week, she will include publishing professionals that will reveal tips and secrets to the author's journey. If there is a book in you, you want to listen, learn, and yes, call in with your questions each week. For more on Judith and what she can do for you, check out her website, thebookshepherd.com. It's your guide to book publishing. Everything you want to know but didn't know what to ask. Brought to you by Author You and The Book Shepherd with your host, Dr. Judith Bryles. Thursday evenings at 6 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Rockstar Radio Network. More. People have the means to live, but no meaning to live for. These are the words of Dr. Viktor Frankl, the inspiration for the movie Victor and I. That's V-I-K-T-O-R and I, movie.com. And TalkSense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with host Mary Similuka and frequent contributor Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. More and more people today are discarding their quest for money, possessions, and things, and are instead beginning a serious quest to find meaning in life. Until now, these discussions were historically in the hands of priests, ministers, and scribes, then to philosophers, psychiatrists, and psychologists. Now, these deep discussions are where they should be, in the hands of individuals, on the air, with you. Talk Sense Radio, The Meaning Connection, with your host, Mary Similuka, and frequent contributor, Alexander Vesley. Friday afternoons at 3, 2 central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginet. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. 
My guest this week is Stacey Lane, wife, mother, teacher, and Jill of all trades, whose many gifts include visual processing, bringing order out of chaos, and thinking outside the box. Stacey homeschools her own four children, no one else's, and as I mentioned earlier, is notoriously, amazingly frugal and willing to share her secrets with us. Stacey, welcome to my show this morning, and thank you so much for joining me. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, how are you this morning? Trying not to be too nervous. <laughs> All right, you'll be fine. <laughs> I'm just going to get you to talk about yourself, and I think that's quite a comforting thing. So sure. first off, why don't you tell us a little bit about you, you know, um, your, your childhood, where you grew up, and perhaps a little bit about your education? Um, when I was in the first grade, we moved to the state of Delaware from Indiana. So I had, you know, some roots in the Midwest, but have really spent most of my time on the East Coast. Um, and I married a native Delawarean, which <laughs> can be an interesting thing, too. And we've had all four children here, and we've, gosh, we've lived in the same town for 17 years, um, schooling. In the, same, in the same house? In the same house, yes. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I haven't moved a lot, but still having an Air Force base here. It's still a transient community, so I am used to people coming and going often. Mm-hmm. Um, did public school, went to the college here locally, and I got a bachelor's degree in social work, which, funny, I've never really used it. Um, mm-hmm. God just kind of called me in some different directions because I had my first son when I was in college and mm-hmm. just kind of went off on being a stay-at-home mom and then homeschooling and then working for a homeschool publisher. And yeah, life just kind of went that way. Mm. Well, go, going back to the fact that you're still in the same house, my husband and I bought our house, oh gosh, 27, 28 years ago, I suppose now, uh, when I was pregnant with my first son. And my children love the fact that they are still in their original house, whereas all of their friends have moved several times. Yes. And, yeah, they, and I, yeah, I joke that I want to sell it, and they're like, no, no, it, this is our home. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, I think my husband and I are getting to the point now where, where we're having to look at perhaps downsizing because we only have one left, and we have this massive house, and it's really just too big for us to maintain on our own now. So well, we're we're in the other boat. We never upsized. Mm-hmm. So my house is about 920 square feet mm-hmm. with, you know, the four children, my husband and the dog. So it's a very wow. good good use of space. So I'm looking for a little more when they start to move out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So is it um cool or nice enough to spend some time outside during the year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. in the spring and fall, yeah. Yeah, so you can expand out into the garden. We couldn't really do that until we put our pool in, but once we put the pool in, not that we needed that much more space, but it was nice. I love being outside because I'm English, so outdoors is a big thing for me. So Yeah. All right, so um doesn't sound as though you had very much homeschool influence while you were growing up and being educated. So what brought you to homeschooling? Because you said you became a stay-at-home mom and that led to homeschooling. So how did that happen? It, well, I was blessed to have Maggie Hogan attend the same church that I did, mm-hmm. and she and her, you know, having a homeschool umbrella group running at our church, I was able to see people actually homeschooling and doing it successfully, mm-hmm. and so it was very intriguing mm-hmm. to me. Yeah, and so you've been doing it all the way. Your children never went to school. 
No, yeah. Since my son is almost seventeen, we mm-hmm. started when he was in kindergarten, and he's gonna be, he's a senior in high school this year. Mm-hmm. So yeah, since the beginning, it was it's been a great journey. Well, great. Yeah, no, it is. It is. It's a wonderful journey. And um, formal curriculum, or have you always done your own thing? Where you can't, I guess if you've got a church that is very has very strong homeschool, you know, sort of people there, you you probably had a little bit of an advantage. Well, we try, we've tried a lot of different curriculums. As I learned how my children learned, as I taught, it kind of fine-tuned our curriculum choices. And then I even find, like with math, I have four different curriculums because I have four children that learn it differently. Mm-hmm. And so that gets a little complicated. Yeah. But <laughs> Well, but math, I found, was something that you really couldn't teach to all four at the same time, not like reading a book to everyone or doing Bible with everyone. Right. Yeah, that is so, the one. Yeah, that is yeah. the one curriculum that everyone can have their own. <laughs> yeah, and then that were, and that's okay because you're going to have to spend one-on-one time with them doing the math anyway. So it doesn't really matter what the curriculum is. So, well, actually, I'm not a good manipulatives person. So, my one of my children just could only see what was going on; couldn't really just read and work it out. And I found that a challenge, but I got there. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about because I've, I'm doing a series on whether or not homeschoolers really do sit down and count the cost of homeschooling, losing that second income possibly, and if they did, would they go ahead and homeschool anyway? So, um, did you actually formally think, well, you know, perhaps that we should have be a two-income family. You were already staying at home, so you're already in that mindset of perhaps a one-income um, family. But once your children start to go off to school at five into kindergarten, there's always that opportunity to, you know, get that part-time job. So, um, you know, did you decide financially that you could or could not do it? Um, we did look at it, and we, our conclusion was, well, it was cheaper than private school. Mm-hmm. Obviously, more expensive than public school, mm-hmm. but we didn't feel public school was a good fit for our son because he started reading at age four, mm-hmm. and we're like, we're going to send him to kindergarten, and what is he going to do? We, mm-hmm. you know, just afraid he was going to probably get in trouble because boys can, you know, do that when they have to sit still. Mm-hmm. And so we, early on, just put aside a budget for homeschooling and knew that, you know, some of our money would just have to go to that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, we're going to talk now a little bit about your journey through your um, finances over the years and um, the fact that debt seems to be a very okay thing to be in these days in this society. And you and your family went what I would consider countercultural and decided that you were going to become debt free and not run up your credit cards and, you know, sort of try and pay off your house or your car or whatever being truly debt free means. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, when my husband and I got married, he was very open to when we were picking houses, like, this is the house you can have and not have to work, or this is the house you can have, but you'll have to work. Okay. And so that was, so we kind of, why we have a small house, went the route of this is what we could afford on his income. Mm-hmm. Um, and, that, and that was really helpful. And then it was just making the choice that we wanted to be debt-free by the time our son graduated high school. Mm-hmm. And that became our goal you know, I mean, it took us 10, 15 years to work that and, you know, sacrifice and setbacks. Um, 
But now to be on the other side, it was, you know, totally worth it. Mm-hmm. So um, did you follow a program? I know there's there's a couple out there. I've met some homeschool. Actually, I've met people that aren't necessarily homeschoolers. They're maybe Christian couples initially getting married and they, you know, they, they sign up for a, um, a program. So did you follow something in particular? We, I mean, we have enjoyed Dave Ramsey's line and we've also um, did some Larry Burkett stuff with our church and led small groups, um, you know, through the course of the, the different years. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, and there's pros and cons to both of those programs. And we've, just were able to take the best from both and mm-hmm. and work through. Okay, so you said there are pros and cons. Can you? I mean, what would be what would be a con for wanting to be debt free? Oh, well, I just meant cons to those two different programs because they go at things differently. I'm mm-hmm. I don't know if there is a con to being debt free. <laughs> <laughs> just just the desire, I suppose. You know, sort of having to live within a budget and say no. Well, yeah, there's definitely self-discipline in, in yeah. following it, absolutely. Yeah. And and with our culture today, that's instant gratification, and that seems to be okay. It does. It does, yeah. Yeah, and obviously you're not teaching your children that. No. <laughs> they have to wait. <laughs> but they've always had to wait, and they don't have the peer pressure of public school, I suppose, where or even private school where, you know, their, their little friends go, oh, I want such and such. Well, actually, my daughter, we've just spent a year in England, and my daughter was around, um, a girl who was about 11, I suppose, and she already had her computer, her cell phone. I'm thinking, what has she got to look forward to? I suppose a car maybe would be in the future, but... Wow. <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. I was I was fortunate to have the mindset where we set those things up at ages, you know. So at 14, you know, you were allowed to get a cell phone if you could pay for it, you know. Mm-hmm. At, you know, obviously my son doesn't have a car. He's sharing mine. Mm-hmm. You know, that will be something he will have to be able to afford um, mm-hmm. as he gets a job. So... We were fortunate. So, so how how would you do that? So now, let's take for example, your son would like a car, and he's got to be able to afford it. Mm-hmm. He can't. He probably won't be able to get a loan. Um, so, would you encourage him to get to try and get a loan, or does he have to actually save all of it and pay it outright? I he has already been saving towards it for a car since he was 14 and putting money away, knowing that that's what he was going to want. And we have done things where we will match. If he is able to save so much, sometimes we'll match his savings um, and do things to encourage him. The The best lesson I ever did with my son was I actually allowed him to go into debt to me. Mm-hmm. Last year he wanted, or no, the year before he wanted to go on a trip with his youth group from church. Mm-hmm. It was a you know, like a weekend trip, and I think it was around 150, and he mows grass, and his job is real seasonal. So it was in the fall, and he kind of didn't have enough money, and I said, well, I'm going to lend you the money, but you're going to sign the contract, and you're going to, and every money you earn has to go to me to pay me back until, and then the money, you know, then you can make choices on how you want to spend your money. Mm-hmm. And being it fell in the winter where he didn't have a lot of work, mm-hmm. it was a long time it took to pay me back, and he was like, I don't know if that trip was worth, you know, every, every dollar I earned to go to mom, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, for three months. Mm-hmm. And, yep. my hu- and my husband was like, don't you want to give? I'm like, no, this is an important lesson and I'm not going to give in, you know, mm-hmm. and he finally paid me back and he's like, I don't think I ever want to do that again. 
Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, I, I suppose saving so that you only put a certain amount aside instead of, as you said, every penny you earn needs right. to be paid back that debt. Yeah. That, well, yeah, and I, that, yeah, I did that but, so he could learn that yeah. whole, you know, yeah. We're going on a short break now. We're back in 90 seconds. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. Are you the kind of parent who just wants their kids to live the life of their dreams? Well, grab your kids and join How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James. It's a lively interview and call-in show, Thursday, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. This dynamic mother and son team are on a mission. They want to empower kids to dream big and go after those dreams with gusto. They want to fill the world with kid entrepreneurs. Are your kids ready for success? Don't miss their fun annex, lively guests, and discussions. For more on Ann and Jack and their show, check out their website, howtoraisemillionaire.com. Then join the conversation of lively interviews and call-ins, and let's give our kids the tools and encouragements they need to build a future they can bank on, no matter what the economy throws their way. It's How to Raise a Millionaire Radio with Ann Morgan James and Jack James, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Central on the Rockstar Radio Network. Attention parents and teachers, here is a series of alarming yet true facts about the current state of teaching reading in the United States. The federal government has spent close to half a trillion dollars to improve reading ability, and yet we still have over 8 million students who cannot read on grade level. 440,000 students who have a total reading vocabulary of 50 words or less. And a national dropout rate of one new student every 26 seconds. Sadly, one of these could be yours. Fortunately, it's not too late to help. Introducing The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. A fast-paced, highly informative, easy-to-listen-to show led by nationally recognized reading authority, Dr. Joe Lakovich. For more on Joe on the show, check out his website, failurefreeonline.com. Listen in this week to learn amazingly simple ways to turn this problem around. The Reading Show with Dr. Joe. With your host, Dr. Joe Lakovich. Fridays at 10 a.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. Okay, Stacy. so you actually got on the Dave Ramsey show, and what did you do 18 months ago? Oh, 18 months ago, yeah. yeah. Um, went and shouted that we were debt-free, had paid off the house that day, and were pretty excited. Yeah, great. Now, he has a radio show, obviously. I mean, I don't know anything about Dave Ramsey, so tell us a little bit. <laughs> oh, about going? <laughs> just, well, just, just, just him. Just, just uh, his program, I suppose. Christian? Is he Christian, I suppose? Yeah, he is. Yeah. And he, yeah, and he's, I think his radio show is daily, um, mm-hmm. and he just talks about, you know, living debt-free and ways to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and had... Were, were any of his ideas ideas you picked up on, or did you come up with your own ways? Um, he has, um, like, seven steps to follow 
that mm-hmm. should take you through, you know, like building an emergency fund and, mm-hmm. you know, paying off the smallest debt, working to the biggest. So, he, yeah, he right. has clear steps to follow that we did most of those steps. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because, you know, that's it's not easy. I mean, how you said in your blog that there were times when you had to choose between, oh, I don't know, turning on the heat and putting food on the table or something like that. I mean, how do you make those kinds of choices and how did you do it? Yeah, yeah, those are hard. Um, and, you know, we do keep the thermostat down and, you know, we had a couple of beans and rice meals, but, you know, we were able to do it and just kind of cut back the best we could. And, mm-hmm. you know, the Lord always had a way of providing little things here and there and, you know, getting us through it. So Yeah, yeah. And, and I know when we went down to um, just one income, there were certain things that we no longer did because where I worked was quite a long way away, but I had all my doctors and dentists and everything was there. So we moved them all. We tried to do nothing that, that was further than a five-mile radius of our house so that we could kind of cut down on, on the gas and time. Um, little things like that, but um, yeah, we're, yeah. Um, and food, of course, not eating out. That was always. I, I used to go into a restaurant and I'd think, you know what, I could do. My husband and I are great cooks. We can cook better at home. Sometimes it's nice to have somebody else cook your meal for you. So we we would go to restaurants that were really good value for money, so that you didn't think that they were completely ripping you off. <laughs> if we were going to have a nice evening out. But, yeah, yeah. We yeah we don't eat out hardly at all. So. <laughs> No, no. Um, so tell tell us a couple of your um, frugal ideas that you have. Well, I was talking to one of my girlfriends about it so that she could help me remember, and mm-hmm. she said the best the best crazy one I guess I ever did was my kids were younger, you know, and obviously we didn't, you know, income was even tighter than it was than what it was now uh, is now. Um, and I decided, like my girlfriends, I would give them the gift of time as a Christmas mm-hmm. present. So I went to my church and rented the gym and then set up craft stations, and I had all my girlfriends drop their kids off to me for about two, two and a half hours on a Friday morning, and we made a bunch of crafts for Christmas and did all of this stuff, and then my friends were free to go and do whatever they wanted Mm -hmm. for those two and a half hours. And then I was able to take all the crafts that were made, and when our church went caroling at the nursing home, we then had cards and different things to pass out to the residents. So it was just a win-win, I think, for everyone. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the initial cost for me was just, you know, some crafts Mm -hmm. and my time. Yeah. Those kinds of gifts for me are always just precious because you just my daughter's at home with us now and you know she's busy working and I said to her you know I would like to just visit with you sometime you know just just spend some time visiting with us and so she does that we used to do it a lot in England but you know she's got all her friends that she's back with here and and I said we're still here we still want to visit with you and uh it's just so nice you know she she just spent two or three hours with us she cooked us dinner and we just chatted we didn't even play games we just kind of sat and just chilled together and and that those are memories that you will always remember. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, you know, people will have different incomes, but we all have the same 24 hours. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that was always the leveling field. You know, mm-hmm. you could have more money, but we still have the same time, and we mm-hmm. still get to, you know, spend that. Mm-hmm. So, Right. So did, do you ever do anything part-time for money, or is it completely, you, you rely completely on your husband's income? 
Um, I have been very fortunate to have different jobs throughout the year that I always tried to cover either gas for my car to take the children somewhere or for them to have some music lessons or some extra things. Um, I've cleaned houses. We've mowed grass. We, you know, right now I'm working a lot for Bright Ideas and developing homeschool curriculum. I, mm-hmm. So I'm very blessed that I can write lesson plans and then sell them. Mm-hmm. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I get to, you know, teach my children and then I get to sell some of the planning and work that goes into that. So, okay. yeah, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. So are you really good with your time? Are you a good, um, you know, sort of user of your time? I, I try to be. <laughs> Yeah. You know, yeah. sometimes I think the Internet is my uh, Achilles tendon. You know, you just get in there and there's so much stuff to look at and do. But, you know, I've been trying to put more parameters on that. And, um, you know, I have, a, you know, my children help with chores. You know, my husband, you know, will come home from work and he'll always help with dinner or something, knowing that I might need to go work on a project or, mm-hmm. you know, I need to get some things done. So how old are you children? You've got a 17-year-old, and then how do they go from there? Um, I have a daughter that's 13, and then I have another son that's 11, and another son that will be 8 in a couple of weeks. All right. And um, you have, if they want to do something, if they have a project or a trip that they want to go on, you don't, I'm, I'm sure you don't just hand over the money. So what, what kind of things do you encourage them to do so that they can maybe earn some money because your younger ones even up to the 13 year old probably can't actually physically go out and get a job well I guess they could do yard work well my my 11 year old has watched what I've done with the older two and he has realized that work and money he and I wouldn't let him get a job he actually went to one of my girlfriends and pitched her a sales pitch on how he could pick up the pine cones in her yard and this and that and she hired him (laughs) Oh. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I guess I'll let you have this one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he, you know, picked up bags of pine cones. Um, the one that's most popular is my daughter wanted to go on a three-week missions trip this past mm-hmm. April. Mm-hmm. And she had taken a cake decorating class in that. And so I went on Facebook and was and just one Facebook post that, you know, Natalie's going to sell cupcakes a dollar a piece and you can do Super Bowl or Valentine's or, you know, give her a theme and she'll, you know, decorate you cupcakes. That just took off. I mean, everybody was more than willing to support her. Mm-hmm. And I think about 600 cupcakes later, she oh. had reached her goal. Mm-hmm. And so her father and I really kind of gave her the startup money, you know, for cake mixes and, you know, milk mm-hmm. and butter. And... Mm-hmm. Off she went, and she's still doing cupcake orders. <laughs> yeah, well, I've seen some of the pictures that you've got online, and her stuff is pretty impressive. Yeah, and she's pin- thirteen, so she's been doing that what, for a year. Um, well, really selling them since January, but she oh. started probably four or five months before, just you know, starting to learn all the different techniques and that. Yeah. So, and and does she do it um, just straight out of the home? So they're local people who come pick them up, or? Yeah, or we'll deliver them, you know, if we can, if they're close by, we don't mind running over a batch of cupcakes doing, you know, other errands and that. We've done that, so. Yeah, that's great. But you've also used her creative talents in a really good way for a geography lesson. Why don't you tell us about that? Because I loved that. Yeah, we, she did a geography co-op and they were having a little party and I said, all right, we'll bring cupcakes. And I looked online and really couldn't find anything we liked. So we took a picture of, we decided South America would probably be the easiest, and we 
kind of put all the cupcakes on a baking sheet to, you know, push them all together. So it almost made a flat top, like a cake. Mm-hmm. And then we just, using the map as our guideline, outlined it in black and then filled in the different colors to show the countries. And she labeled them with little toothpicks. And <laughs> it was just really amazing. Yeah. Yeah, well, um, tell us your website, and my listeners need to go on and look at that because that when when it first started, I thought, oh, well, that's that's interesting. But by the time you got to the end and saw what she had done on the whole map of South America, it's just incredible. Yeah, yeah, she's looking. She's found directions to do an art one, and she's doing an art co-op this year. So she's looking oh. to do some, I don't know, Van Gogh or some one of those. Oh, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's your website? Um, it's www.layeredsoul.com. Oh, Layered Soul. Okay. Yep, Layered Soul. All right. Yep. And, um, yeah, I've got that. I've got you actually on my, my webpage, on my Toganet webpage, but I um, just wanted my listeners to know that and just go and have a look because I think your website is lovely. It's oh. really attractive and I, I really enjoyed going through it. Well, thank you. I've been, I've only been blogging since November, so I'm still a kind of new blogger, but I have really enjoyed the creative outlet it allows me. So. Yeah. Well, let's, let's get back a little bit to um, being debt free. And I know that one of the first things you do when you get up in the morning is you go to the Bible. So obviously God plays a really, really important role in your life and in the life of your family, I'm sure. Now, um, you know, so Christ's debt that he paid for us was something that we pay back on a regular basis by loving each other and kind of passing that on like a pay it forward. Mm-hmm. Um, what if he did what <laughs> I know with your son, you said every single penny needs to come back to me. I mean, does that give you um, a better sort of idea as to how just awesome God is? Because he doesn't say that to us, does he? He doesn't say everything you've got it no. well he does sort of but we have free choice so we can kind of finagle it so that it suits us you know you can choose when you want to you know read the bible we can choose when we want to go to church and god's not behind us going you know all or nothing yeah i'm so thankful he doesn't do that <laughs> i know i know um so how how you know has it given you a better aware you know sort of a better awareness of just what a debt he paid for us yeah, yeah. And I think even the more as you grow being a Christian, that debt and your sin just becomes more and more obvious mm. <laughs> as you grow in your walk. So Yeah, yeah, and as you're watching as you're watching your children and um you know, struggling with the uh you know, the finances. But now that you're debt free, things are easier. And we're gonna go on a break and I want you just to tell me a little bit in our next segment, just for a few minutes, about how your life has changed now that you're debt free. Okay. All right. Um, all right. Well, I'm talking to Stacy Lane. I've just got a little second here. My music should be coming up. Here it comes now. How do you handle toddlers, teens, and tirades when homeschooling? That's what we're working on now. It's Vivian McNinney, the sociable homeschooler, and we'll be right back after these. 
Thursday nights, get ready for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millat, at 11, 10 Central on Togginet.com. What are the Read My Lips Tips for Success? Well, it's spelled out like this. R. Realize it is possible. E. Embrace all relationships. A. Advance through adversity. D. Develop your significance. M. Manage your health and wealth. Y. Yield to your natural abilities. L. Listen to your heart. I. Invest in yourself. P. Persist by taking small steps. And S. Serve others. Each week on the show, you'll find a safe haven whereby tips, insights, and strategies are shared by Linnea and her guests. Go to Linnea's website, readmylipstips.com. Then join us Thursday nights at 11, 10 p.m. Central for the Read My Lips Tips for Success radio show with your host, Linnea Millette. On toginet.com, ministry is filled with both highs and lows, victories and struggles. It can be the best job of the world, but it can also be the hardest. Where do you find the balance between serving God and the joy of truly knowing Him? Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central. Join us each week as pastor's wife, best-selling author, and host Joanna Weaver interviews women who serve God from the heart, both those who are well-known and those who minister in less visible ways. You'll discover tools for the ministry, but more importantly, you'll learn how to give God access to the deep places in your heart. For ministry is more than what we just do in public. It is who we are in private. Wellspring is here to inspire you to look into your heart of hearts and invest in the place ministry truly begins. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So join us for an hour that just might change your life. It's Wellspring, tending the heart of ministry with host Joanna Weaver. Thursday afternoons at 5 p.m. Central on toginet.com. Welcome back to The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney, the show for any homeschooler at any point in their homeschooling career. Join us as we plow through the problems, tackle the challenges, and celebrate the successes. It's The Sociable Homeschooler on Toginac. And now back to your host, Vivian McNinney. All right, Stacey, so tell us, how did your life change once you were debt-free? You know, I think it's really more that sense of peace yeah. You know, it's just priceless. It really yeah. is. And actually, the, you know, because with the economy and that, my husband has experienced some layoffs. Um, mm-hmm. part, they did a kind of partial layoffs where they would work four days a week instead of five. But mm-hmm. um, but just kind of knowing that we would be okay. Like it didn't mm-hmm. matter if the job came or went or, you know, if the economy continued to tank, that we would still have a roof over our head and mm-hmm. – you know, that's just peace. Mm-hmm. So, so was it a bit like, did you all of a sudden see extra money or was it like when you, I know when I gave up my job, I thought, oh, what am I going to do with all the hours in my day that I'm not in my office? Well, it didn't take long for all of those hours to get filled up fast. <laughs> well, that is true. Four children will do that quickly for yeah. an income too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With the, the income too. So it wasn't so much that all of a sudden you had all this additional money. It was just that now that you had you have peace of mind. You didn't have to worry about losing your house, not being able to pay your mortgage or your car payment or any yeah. other other debt that you may have. So you don't. Do you use a credit card? We don't. No. No. So no. it's all cash. Do you have that little? Do you use well, we cash? do have a. Well, yeah, we have um, a debit card. So mm-hmm. I mean, that kind of acts like a credit card. So I'm not always carrying cash per yeah. se on yeah. me, but um. And you have a just, budget. We have a budget. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of really, it's it's a real flexible budget. Um, mm-hmm. It has to be 
my husband still has to have medicine every month, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. our pre- prescription plan's not well. So his inhaler mm-hmm. can cost us $200. Yeah. Um, my son is allergic to penicillin, so his antibiotic sometimes costs us $400. Yeah. Um, so we yeah. need to, you know, some months it's like, all right, we're buying this medicine. We need to kind of cut back on a few things. Mm-hmm. And, and we just we don't do a lot. And then the next month we're like, oh, well, I guess now's the time to go ahead and, you know, do the things we've been putting off. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just kind of ebbs and flows that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what, Stacey, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've been talking to Stacey Lame, who contributes curriculum ideas and creates folder books and notebooking pages for the Bright Ideas Press Team. You need to go on that website. That's a fantastic website to Bright Ideas, and I think that's on my Toginet page. As mum and householder, she comes up with great recipes and innovative ways to do geography. She homeschools her four children who are learning how to use money-saving techniques at a really young age. She enjoys thinking outside the box and bringing order to chaos when dealing with squabbling siblings. She is notoriously amazingly frugal. Pop on her website and you will find out lots of ideas. And she told us how she used her money-stretching skills to be able to shout I am debt-free on the Dave Ramsey show. Stacy you have a wonderful weekend thank you so much for joining me this morning thank you so much for having me you're welcome bye bye well we're going to keep on this theme for a little bit because last week dr marlene mcmillan and i talked about poverty which led to america's economic policy which also brought up Keynesian economics the system currently used in america biblically we're told the borrower is servant to the lender. So as long as we are debt-free, we are in debt, sorry, we are not debt-free. Our money isn't ours. Our labor is for others. This applies to individuals, companies, and countries. Dr. Marlene pointed out that the rules for the householder and private companies don't hold for a nation. And this is why we see our country operating with a deficit. And no matter whether we're believers or not, the immutable laws of the universe state that spending money to get out of debt leads to more debt, more servanthood, and eventually poverty. Now, I don't know much more about Keynesian economics than that John Maynard Keynes was English. And the city close to my school used his name for its name, Milton Keynes. Consequently, I decided to carry out some research, which resulted in me happening upon a site called Dinks.com. And Dinks stands for Dual Income No Kids, which bears no relationship to the homeschooling families I meet with and serve each week, but has some really interesting material on finances for young people and how to work towards and eventually achieve debt freedom. If we have a better grasp on what the government in America is doing financially today, we can make informed choices when it comes to voting, which isn't far off. We can also be in a better position to help our children to achieve financial freedom, as my guest told us about earlier. This is what my helpful website, Dinks.com, has to say about Keynesian economics, and it's very simple. Essentially, Keynesian economics states that it is the government's responsibility to manage its economics market cycles in both good times and in bad. In bad times, the government is responsible for stimulating the economy by spending money and issuing tax breaks. And in good times, the government's responsible for controlling inflation by cutting its spending and increasing taxes. 
This, Keynes argued, would help ensure economic stability throughout all economic cycles. Well, this doesn't mean it's okay for the government to use money it doesn't have, right? But then the government will probably argue that it does have the money because of the fact that this is America and we don't need actual gold in order to print money. Happily or not, this little nugget of truth doesn't work in a household. No matter how well my mortgage company knows me, if I don't pay up every month, I'll lose my house to my lender. I'm a slave to my mortgage company until I've paid off my house. Before Keynes happened on the scene back in the 20s, the prevailing economic theory was referred to as laissez-faire capitalism, a hands-off approach that forbade the government from getting involved, arguing instead that a free and completely open market would regulate itself, producing the best possible economic situation. When the Depression hit in 1929, Keynes was among the worldwide economists who were figuring out what caused the laissez-faire theory to flounder. His theory was simple and straightforward. Are you ready to hear it? During times of economic prosperity, the unemployment rate is low and the normal rates of earning and spending money hold, establishing a cyclical relationship. I work a job to earn money, which I then spend at your company, which pays your salary, which allows you to spend money at my company, which pays my salary, etc. All of this is fine and dandy, Keynes pointed out, until something catastrophic acts as a spoke in the proverbial wheel, such as a run on banks, a natural disaster, the threat of war, political unrest, a gluttony of goods being produced, or the government decides to tighten its hold on the money supply. Keynes's explanation for the slump was so simple it was considered by some, including President Franklin Roosevelt, as too easy. But when it was eventually adopted, it was met with a rousing success. After World War II, Keynes's theory about the relationship between unemployment and inflation, as well as his theories on the government's influence over the economy, grew to be more formalized as nations adopted his theory into policy. This interventionist policy smooths out the ups and downs of the economy and makes it more stable long term. Keynesian economics were abandoned in the 80s for stricter monetary policies. But as the, as the economy began to spiral out of control again with deregulation and loopholes, it's seen a new energy as the world's markets struggle to address the issues brought about by a global recession that we're in right now. We've all noticed the change in policy as governments once again take a more Keynesian approach to the market, resulting in huge deficit spending, bank bailouts, public projects such as Obama's last stimulus package and institutional takeover such as GM's situation that came to a head earlier this year in the hopes that it would right the economy and pull it out of the recession. Critics have expressed dissatisfaction that what has happened at what has happened so far. Keynesian purists say the economic reforms haven't gone far enough to be effective. Detractors are concerned the changes went too far and the massive deficit spending that occurred will ultimately cripple every economy that adopted these policies. As Dr. Marlene suggested, we're taking the first steps towards plunging the nation into poverty, thus resulting in more harm than good with government intervention. Who is our American nation servant to? It's time to keep an eye on our politicians and their purse strings. Greed is abounding and a householder or small business would never survive if it cooked its books like the government's doing. Well, enough talk about money already. Last night, my star barista said she misses England more than she thought she would. So we had a little this time last month walk down memory lane. 
Well, this time last month, we went to see Tower Bridge, where the Olympic rings are hanging. We saw the Shard up close and personal and walked towards the doors in the hopes that we'd be allowed in to look around. But we were met by one of the security guards and told it wouldn't be open until February 2012. No, February 2013. We popped into a Starbucks to get her coffee mark out. And Malia had to give her partner number six times before the till would register it properly. And it reminded me of a joke. How many Irishmen does it take to change a light bulb? How many times do you have to give your partner number in order to get a pound of coffee? Less than a month ago, blue-eyed dad took his green-eyed dancer daughter to see the Harry Potter exhibit again. While they didn't take as long as we had the first time round with our son, remember Malia doesn't read, she says, they enjoyed it every bit as much. They photobombed a group of Asians while they were there who had a brand new Polaroid camera. Who uses those things these days? Malia was fascinated by the instant development technology of this camera and dared her dad to go and ask them if she could take a photo with her iPhone of the photo they were bombing. He did, and they all laughed as they watched the picture come to life with Malia and her dad smiling as large as could be in the background. On our last Saturday, we went to see our last musical. I know it sounds nerdy, but Mama Mia was a must. We went off to town early to see St. Paul's for the last time, and then we went off to the theatre, and as luck would have it, our tickets were front row, and I was a little hesitant, listen to me looking a gift horse in the mouth. But when we got seated, I was glad because the theatre wasn't raked at all, and knowing my luck, I'd have been stuck behind a tall guy. We interacted with the orchestra under the stage and watched the conductor who was sitting just two seats down from us singing along while he was giving musical cues. We had so much fun and we're still humming ABBA songs. Well, my time has flown by again and I forgot to say what a wonderful time we had with the Toginet people last weekend. Yay! When we visited Lindale. Thanks for including us in your party plans, people. This weekend, I'm having friends over for lunch. Haven't caught up with everyone yet. Too darn busy getting my house in order. Hope you've enjoyed my show today. I'll be here same time, same place next week on Toginet Radio. So without further ado, I'll say thanks to my handsome husband who believes in love at first sight, our four children who are the result of that belief, the hardworking staff at Toginet Radio, my guests Stacey Lane and you, my faithful listeners, especially Anne in Lindale, Hannah, Tina, Rosemary, Pam, Charlotte and many others who are part of my growing audience. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord show you his kindness and have mercy on you. May the Lord watch over you and give you peace. Numbers 6, 24 to 26. And with that, bye. Have a great weekend. Thank you for joining us for The Sociable Homeschooler with Vivian McNinney on 